All right, welcome back to the podcast. This is Dan Marioski hosting again. Um, we're excited to bring another podcast to you. Did you know that 70% of patients do not complete their plan of care? How the heck are we going to manage this? Welcome to Therapist in Motion, brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. Today we're excited to have the co-founders of Strive Labs joining us today. Scott Hebert and Ryan Klepps all the way from Massachusetts. Awesome. Um, we're really excited to have you guys here. You just guys gave a great talk to our entire company. Um, so first off, how the heck are we going to approach managing this absolutely atrocious statistic about 70% of their patients not completing their plan of care? Yeah, so the first step uh, in solving any problem is to admit that you have a problem. Uh, <laughs> it turns out that there are a lot of physical therapy practice owners that can't admit that that's a problem that happens. Um, this data set that we grabbed, we were able to look at uh, a, a, a few million courses of care and analyze it across an entire region of the country. And we found, again, that 70% of people weren't completing their course of care. We then got a larger data set from an even larger organization and found out that it was actually a little worse than our original one. Uh, awesome. so, so it turns out uh, the first step in solving this problem is admitting that we have a problem. So hey, physical therapy as an industry, we have a problem. Patients are dropping out of care. Uh, so then it poses the question, which I think is a fair question, is how in the world do we solve this? Um, and so it's not an easy problem. I'm not going to say that there's one quick fix uh, band-aid to this. But I think the first step, and one of the things that you know, we had an awesome opportunity to talk to the Spooner team about today, is understanding that quantifying the patient experience is a primary driver of being able to ultimately keep people in care longer. Um, what that means is we need better ways to measure the experience. Uh, we need to do so in a way that's not the standard uh, method we've been doing for years. So what is the standard patient experience or in the standard measure that you're talking about? Yeah, so the standard measure that people tend to use to understand patient experience are just traditional patient satisfaction surveys. Um, the primary issue with those is if you ask any physical therapy clinic what their patient satisfaction score is, they'll tell you it's a 96, 97, 98, 99, right? So every single practice has a 98% satisfaction. Um, what we find is there's fundamental issues with satisfaction surveys. There's um, a ceiling effect to them, um, and it's a factor of a couple different things. One, we only delivered at discharge, so 70% of patients don't make it to discharge, so we're only asking the 30% that do, who are really happy with care. Um, we're doing it in clinic, where the therapist is the one handing them the piece of paper, so you know that patient is pretty darn likely to uh, score a 10. Uh, because you're standing over their yeah, shoulder. They're <laughs> handing it right back to the therapist they're supposed to rate, right? So. Um, I mean, those are the kind of fundamental issues with the patient satisfaction service that you Sure. I mean, I've even seen some therapists that have got really good results on their satisfaction. Like, how do they do this? And then they're sitting there with the clipboard asking them the questions and having the patient tell them verbally. Yep. I mean, it's like, it's not biased. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, so you, 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 said, you said you were fully satisfied, right? <laughs> not, not just partially satisfied. <laughs> So exactly. So uh, you know, we were just at a, a large PC conference. We had about uh, 400 people in the room. We had everybody raise their hand, and we told them, "All right, who here has a, a satisfaction score below a 95?" Not a single hand went down. Right. So what does that mean for our industry? Well, that's a meaningless metric. 
Right? Imagine if all of a sudden the functional outcomes tools we were using showed that we were all perfect at treating low back, or we were all perfect at treating knee. That's not a valid measure. We're not going to keep using it. Dan is. Dan is. I am, oh, <laughs> he's an exception, but, uh, but you know. So again, we need to start thinking about how we monitor experience in the same way. And uh, you know, for any new grads out there or new PTs who are in the industry, um, I highly suggest you do this if you're out of practice that currently is uh, measuring satisfaction. Uh, go up to your boss, your clinic supervisor, and uh, ask them why, and then uh, have a candid conversation about it, right? Ask them what the score is, uh, have an honest a dialogue, because likely, chances are, they just aren't thinking about it, right? They aren't thinking about it because it's a need to do. I need to measure satisfaction, of course. Um, but once you start to have this conversation, what we found with talking to you know, hundreds of practice owners from around the country, really quickly you realize everyone's like, yeah, that was silly. Why the heck do I do that? So yeah, step, step one is understanding uh, that we have a problem. Step two is understanding how do we actually measure, right? You can't manage what you can't measure. Um, then comes in uh, what is a valid way to measure it. And so we're huge advocates of a really simple tool that actually started outside of uh, the healthcare world. Um, it's a tool called the Net Promoter Score. And most likely, most people have received one in the past. It's just that one question, how likely would you be to recommend a friend or a family member? and you score it from a zero to 10 scale. It's basically a likelihood scale. And anybody who's a nine or a 10, they're what you call promoters. Anyone that's a six or below is what's called a detractor. And it turns out, and a lot of the research will talk about, um, that by identifying those promoters and those detractors, you can actually have a meaningful impact on keeping patient, patients in care longer. Why is that important to a new grad? Why do they care about keep, keeping patients in care longer, right? I mean. They're looking at their productivity standard and saying, I gotta get X number of patients in a day. I gotta get X number of new patients in a day. Like, why does keeping a patient engaged matter to them when all that matters to their boss is the number of patients that they see? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll go the higher ground and then you can give a, a different. Um, so, appreciate I, it. I, 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 will I, I, take, I will gladly take the lower ground. Yeah. So, <laughs> when, when, you look at, when you look at the general, my, my hope is that physical therapists who are listening to this podcast are generally. Uh, advocates for the profession, right? And so what we know is patients who drop out of physical therapy are more likely to get shots and surgeries and high cost modalities that drive up the total cost of healthcare and lead to a worse outcome than if somebody's stuck in care. So um, at a high level, keeping patients sticky in care uh, improves their uh, life, decreases their total cost uh, on the healthcare system and keeps them obviously engaged in PT. Yeah, and I don't even think this is the low road. I think yeah. you gave me a perfectly fine road today. <laughs> uh, the other side of it is for, for an owner or for a clinic manager who's telling you I care about your numbers, patients who drop out, those are the ones that are causing your schedule to be empty, right? So cancels and no-shows are a problem, but the real big problem is the cancel the no-show that never returns. All of a sudden, you've got a spot in your schedule that was full. That spot is now empty. You are sitting around twiddling your thumbs, right? You're wasting money. Doesn't look good. Doesn't. Look boss. Do, bosses don't like that very much. But, you know, the real reality is, as Ryan said, if we're really thinking about outcomes here, ensuring that a patient ultimately continues with that course of care, you're able to sell that plan of care, that's what's going to lead to the higher quality outcomes in the world. Hmm. I don't know if, if as, a, as a new grad, if you would have told me that, if I would, still would have really cared not to push back on you no. guys. Okay, so there's altruism. Okay, yes, I would advance my profession. Eh, that doesn't affect my paycheck. And, you know, I kind of like the breaks in my day, guys. I mean, if I have a patient cancel, score, I can get my documentation done, I can leave early. I, you haven't sold me yet. 
Yeah, uh, I was a therapist uh, for a very short time. I was a pretty crummy one. Uh, and so uh, I love those times when patients cancel. You're right. Like It, it, is, it is definitely uh, a lifestyle positive. Um, but that is probably the quickest way to losing your job that could be out there. <laughs> um, and so at the end of the day, uh, your productivity is, is huge. It's, it's massive. But it's not just your productivity, right? Um, because what's going to float you through as a therapist long term, what's going to really make you successful, is those raving patients, those raving fans, what we call evangelists, that are going to be calling back up saying, I need to go in, I need to wait, see Wait, wait, did, did you say evangelist? Hallelujah! 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 Yeah, so, um, so in the uh, normal nomenclature of the net promoter world, um, what we would call a, a promoter, another word for that, is an evangelist, right? So uh, we talk about customer evangelists in the general business community. So just replace customer with patient. That is your patient evangelist. We like to call them walking, talking billboards. They're the people who are going to tell everybody they know about how awesome you are. Those are the people that career-wise are going to allow you to continue to climb the ladder. That's what's going to ultimately allow you to be the most successful is that uh, reputation you have with your patient population. Okay, that sounds a little bit more palatable because altruism and a full schedule only get me so far, but it's really what you're saying, taking this data, which I'm not a really big data head, but it all comes down to the patient and the patient being satisfied and so satisfied in fact that they are promoting you. Yeah, yeah, and we, and we like to even try to use the word loyalty, right? Because if you think about the standard score we talked about, that's satisfaction. Satisfaction in a lot of ways is an expectation, okay? When I go into any... Uh, transaction, whether it's going to McDonald's or going to my primary care doctor, I'm hoping to be satisfied. I, I'm not even hoping, I'm just expecting, right? If I'm going to pay money for something, I want to have a high quality experience. But loyalty, on the other hand, that's not necessarily something I expect. I don't expect every single transaction I have to become a loyal, raving evangelist of that. Of I don't, that I don't expect to go into everything and then as soon as I get out, text my brother or my girlfriend and tell them that they need to go check it out. Like That's loyalty. Like That's what you want to elicit from your customers or your patients, right? But when it, yeah, but when it happens, right, that's the key. Uh, and so the more loyal customers, more loyal patients you have, that's, that's ultimately the, the name. Because that's something that I know one of uh, my bosses has, has brought up, that she says, you know, I work in a current outpatient out, uh, orthopedic practice, and she says, we have a practice, and I want you to develop your practice within this practice. So you can basically be more independent, so where you're making yourself a lot more valuable to your employer, and by increasing your patient's satisfaction. Do you, have you guys found that individual therapists, so you guys seem to be working on a much larger scale, executives and companies, a lot of big data, big numbers. How about the one, have you ever heard of one individual PT saying, hey, I took your information, I'm not the owner, I don't have any really tight bottom line, I'm taking this number and I've used it as a useful part of my practice? Yeah, I mean, so for one, one, uh, a lot of our customers are using Net Promoter um, in, in their incentive programs and in hiring and firing and in terms of like checking in with quarterly reviews and those sorts of things. So, um, I mean, when it comes down to it, we've consistently seen that patients who or customers who have uh, therapists with higher Net Promoter, there's a positive correlation to their ability to affect an outcome with patients too. So. Yeah, we have a lot of therapists, and actually one of the things we're doing is we're opening up ability to track net promoter at the therapist level. 
Um, we're taking that number, working on it, and improving it, and they're seeing a positive correlation in their ability to, like I said, facilitate an outcome and get a patient better. The other side of it, too, is that, um, yeah, I would say that that happens daily for us. Um, because essentially, when a detractor comes in, when that person who is dissatisfied raises their hand, um, what a tool like Stride Hub, which is what we provide, allows you to do is survey that early in care. So we do it like usually within the first seven days. Um, and in, what that does is it allows somebody to say, hey, I had a bad experience, and here's why. A lot of times, that can be improved, right? That can be mitigated. It's called service recovery. And what we'll enable is an individual therapist to say, I'm sorry that you had a poor experience with billing. I'm sorry that it meant that you didn't want to come back. However, here's how we're going to fix this going forward, and here's why it's critical for you to come back to PT, right? You're in here with an acute uh, uh, dyslesia. Okay, this is what's going to happen if you don't get this treated right now. This is what the chronic problem is going to develop into, and here's why we need you to come back. Right. right. Well, yeah, go ahead. Well, and that's where I think, uh, I, I value that, but also I think it's even more simple than that. I mean, because, okay, so on a personal level, I actually had that exact same kind of thing happen to me. I had a that, uh, that detractor come across and say that they were dissatisfied about something, and that was after a really good run of a lot of positive feedback. And whenever we dug into it, it was more a scheduling issue. Sure. That where I'm not directly in charge of, maybe I could take a little bit more authority with that, but where she scheduled with multiple people and she wasn't happy about her own continuum of, uh, continuity of care. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty easy for me to catch that early on and say, hey, you know, this, I realize that this is not ideal. You know, I, you know, I, and I can see how it's not fun being shuffled around, showing some empathy. And then just saying, but this is what we can do. You, you'll schedule only with me. You know, and there's something we can do about this, yeah. you know, so it, it really enabled me in a negative situation where I could easily say maybe this is not quite my fault. And, and maybe as a new grad, I would have said, OK, this is not my fault. This is from office fault. But really, it's, it's a team thing. It's, if I'm really thinking about what you guys say, what you guys are all about, about the patient, I can help that patient end up making themselves better and then also thereby making my boss happy because I'm bringing in revenue. You got it. Yeah, and if that patient drops out with an issue with their scheduling, right? If they drop out, what traditionally what happened was all of those things were like silent failures, meaning the patient would drop out, you'd sort of forget that they were even on the schedule, and a month later you would document patient not compliant with care, enter, right? What we're looking <laughs> to do is make those failures loud, right? And make them known quick so that you can understand where they're at, fix them. Because even if it's not directly an issue that you cost, right, if it was a scheduling issue. It's still important for you as a therapist to understand it, fix it, and then be able to um, keep that patient on track and get it better. So that's not like a wise man that said, I don't know, about 25-ish minutes ago, the first step to their solving problem is admitting there's a problem present. So if you're admitting that this <laughs> that is was an issue, a wise man. very wise man, yeah. right? You can address yeah. it and take them to a dissatisfied patient, such in this case, and they're going to hopefully become one of your start raving mad supporters. Well, and, and I think it goes back to the question I posed earlier about hitting your productivity standards. If you can nip it in the butt before it gets completely out of control, that patient's already walked in your door, right? And if we know the statistic or the dollar amount that every new patient typically generates in your practice, you want to maximize that to its fullest capability, right? It, it takes time and energy to see a new patient. And if we know ahead of time or within seven days that they were dissatisfied by your guys' program, and we can turn around what Andrew just demonstrated as a very, took a negative and turned it into a positive, 
you're actually then being more efficient with that patient that's walked in the door because you don't have to go find somebody else to fill that spot. Right. So if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, probably the vast majority of PT places out there have enough business to stay busy or have enough patients to stay busy and potentially stay profitable, yep. especially if you listen to some of the other podcasts that we've talked about, about CPT code utilization and some of the other things that we've put out there for you guys. You probably have enough patience to keep your doors open. Again, if you realize that you have a problem <laughs> and you're willing to do something about it, and then that goes back to what you guys talked about, of right there, there maximizes your revenue. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge opportunity. So we see practices tend to have anywhere between 30 to 60 and sometimes even higher percent of their caseload at any given time is repeat customers. So it's, it's patients who have been there before who are now back. And while certainly every therapist, the goal here is to treat the patient and ensure that uh, they don't have that same condition again, what do we know about the statistics of musculoskeletal, right? We know uh, one in two adults are going to develop a condition every single year. So because we know the instance rate is just so staggeringly high, there's a likelihood that someone who came to see you for their shoulder might someday tweak, tweak their back or their knee or their ankle, like Ryan did on Black Ground yesterday. Yes. Um, and <laughs> so, athlete, right? And, yeah. and, uh, D1, D1 athlete, not a joke. Yeah. Uh, and, and so well, you're a swimmer, right? Uh, baseball player. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> should should have gotten a swimmer. Should be liver on my feet. And <laughs> yeah, glass ankles. So, uh, so, you know, people are going to come back. They're going to have these conditions again. And so, um, you know, the other side of things, which is how can we make patients sticky, what else do we know, right? Well, we know that right now only about 8% of people who need physical therapy get physical therapy. So, like you said, right, how do we not only, you know, can we keep people in because that will keep the schedule full and ultimately we'll get those patients to better outcomes, but then it's the other side of it. How do we make sure that we're filling that schedule? How are we getting patients in? And, um, you know, reaching back out to those past patients or ensuring that we don't have to rely just on doctors. And it turns out, no, you don't. No, you don't. In fact, the faster you can get away from having to rely only on doctors um, or even better, sending patients to doctors yourself, uh, the more likely you are to be successful. So 8% yeah. that's out there. Yeah. What are the 92% doing and then what are, how are you guys helping us with that? Yeah, so, um, so Strive Hub is what we call a patient relationship management program. So uh, what it's going to allow you to do is just essentially how do we ensure that we can reach out to the right patient at the right time with the right message automatically so that you guys don't have to manually do these things. Basically, it's offloading a lot of work and demand that a therapist might have to do to maintain these relationships and ensuring that you can automate a lot of that in the background. Um, essentially what we're doing is, is, is twofold for getting patients back in the door. One is we're helping you identify who those promoters are, right? Because that's a really valuable patient population for you. You can use them to do things like generate reviews, you can do them do, do things like uh, try to engage with them to have them come back. Refer friends up in. Have them refer a friend. So utilizing your promoters to help drive new business in is, is a massive piece. The other side of it is doing what we're talking about. If we know that a lot of these people are going to reoccur, something's going to pop up again, we need to make sure that we're proactively reaching out to past patients to ensure that they're still okay. By no means are we advocates for trying to get people into physical therapy who don't need physical therapy. We would never promote a, a, a pattern to do that. However, here's what we find. If you just take a random sample and call 20 of your old patients that you haven't seen in over a year, I guarantee you, uh, 
close close 10 to 20 percent will have something positive right um, yeah. and so having that knowledge and that ability means you are sitting on a continuous wealth of patient volume. it is always there and that's something that doesn't require a physician referral necessarily it doesn't require you to be pounding the pavement or putting up billboards um, it's something that's sitting there waiting for you you just have to build the systems to make sure that they're coming back to see you when those things pop up and you're proactively managing your, you're the primary care provider for their musculoskeletal issues i mean that's the end goal for all um, to touch on what you asked though you asked um, how do we help get more than 98 percent or 92 percent that aren't going to pt um, what we know is a lot of people go online and make searches um, when they're looking for anything, right? Especially mobile stuff. They either pop on Yelp or Google, I'm looking for this service in this city and state. So what we look to do is improve search engine optimization. So basically helping clinics rank higher for search terms. One of the simplest ways that you can do that is by getting tons and tons of five-star reviews on Google because Google sources those reviews to the top. So People like Spooner like getting 200, 250 reviews in a short time impacts um, your ability to reach the general community when they're searching for your services. So that's the idea: is getting more people to choose you who are looking for issues uh, or looking for ways to solve their issues. That's great. So, what kind of feedback would you give for someone that's just starting that they're not part of Strive Lab other than maybe recommending that to their boss? But what would you say to that um, you know new grad that says, okay? If it's all about patients, patient retention, patient experience, loyalty, making your patients a patient evangelist, what would you tell them? Yeah, so I'd say it's never too early to start building good habits. And um, while certainly we provide a software tool that can enable a lot of this to happen in the background, it's still general content, right? Again, right message, right patient, right time. That does not have to be automated programmatically through software. That means you need to build good relationships with the patients you treat. Um, you needed to do that for a few reasons, right? Obviously, it's going to help you uh, with, with your performance metrics and those sorts of things. But ultimately, it's what's going to build that high-quality rapport with the, the patient population you're treating. Um, what we like to compare it to a lot of times, we talk to a lot of new grads about this, is it's becoming so obvious why you would try to benchmark yourself with something like a functional outcome store, right? Something like a photo or ROMs or web outcomes. And... If what you can do is take that same mentality for how you are trying to quantify your physical skills, right, the, the manual skills or other abilities, and try to think about patient experience as a similar way, uh, as a similar area that needs to be quantified, understanding that that can be as important as what you actually do is critical. Um, one thing that I think new grads don't realize and doesn't get talked about nearly enough in school is um, when you look at the data about uh, patients and what ultimately leads to their improvement. Um, while we certainly have studies that show that certain physical techniques are beneficial or certain exercise regimens are beneficial, um, what we tend to find when we actually break it out even further is that the treatment philosophy can sometimes not even matter, which is terrifying. The biggest <laughs> predictor of a patient's outcome can many times just be whether or not they believed they were yeah. going to get better. There's actual studies on that. I don't know the exact study, but that was the most positive predictor of whether or not somebody succeeded in PT in the study was whether they believed they were going to get better, which is crazy. So getting that buy-in is one of the fundamentally important ways to get the outcome. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really vital for new therapists, experienced therapists, any therapist to really 
recognize in themselves. Um, you know, I mean, to circle back around in closing, one, I really want to thank Scott and Ryan for being here with us today um, on a bunch of accounts. Hopefully your ankle gets better quickly. You don't, <laughs> you don't run into issues as you return back to the snow. But, you know, I mean, you know, that, that stat that we let off of about 70% of patients don't complete their plan of care. I think we were just able to hit on a lot of strategies that any therapist can start implementing immediately, whether they utilize your product or not, and have an active conversation with their direct supervisor on how they're going to evaluate the business structure that they function in. Whether it's a outpatient private practice, it's a hospital base where maybe therapy is a very small component of the the larger scheme and, and budgetary aspect of the of the organization, but it's really about realizing that as a whole in therapy we have an issue, <laughs> and recognizing that and be willing to discuss it with the powers that be within the organization, and then ultimately connecting back with that patient to help them understand that we are neuromusculoskeletal experts. We can provide a service for them in that moment and moving forward. You know, like you said, 50% of patients are gonna have a musculoskeletal condition at some point during a 12 month calendar year. We should and have the, and we do have the skills to connect with those patients and let them know that we can be the first point of contact for them, um, regardless of information that we may blast out to them and they may say like, why the heck are you blasting this out? If we've had that active conversation and engaged with them immediately, that's going to make our lives a lot easier in the grand scheme of things and let us continue to focus on aspects of care that we're actually good at. Um, so again, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, till next time, and hopefully we get to have some more fun, engaging podcasts with you, maybe on some other different topics in yeah. the future. I mean, we, um, we're, we're happy to talk about anything. Yeah. Water, and water chestnuts, uh, <laughs> walnuts, <laughs> other, other water-based vegetables. Yeah. You can, cut, weird. you can cut that from the podcast. So you, guys like <laughs> <laughs> so you guys like nuts, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, it's what we're saying. Ryan loves nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so thanks, guys, and, and, and ha have a great have a great stay in Phoenix and Thank travel, you. Oh, travel safe. And one thing that I just want to add too is for uh, any new grads or existing PTs that wants to learn more about these sorts of things, um, if you just have questions for us, at strive underscore labs is probably a great way to reach us on Twitter. Tweet us, um, but also our blog blog.stridelabs.com. Um, we're trying to put up stuff weekly that continues to relate to these sorts of topics, and we're always happy to sort of be a sounding board to discuss them more. So come check it out. Awesome, thank you guys. Thanks guys. Thanks. Alright.